0: In this day and age, it can be nearly impossible to know who or what to trust. I don't know about you, but if I Google anything, I can automatically find within 0.002 seconds millions of articles, videos, blogs, whatever it is, that all have a different interpretation of the answer to the question that I typed in. Maybe it was, how do I boil an egg? And everyone has an opinion that's more than an opinion. It is in some people's their dogma of what they believe should happen. But it becomes really confusing and frustrating and even scary when we start having things happening inside of our bodies to our health. And we don't know what's going on. We turn to Google, we start researching our symptoms, and before we know it, we have gone down a hole that some people say that that symptom of an upset stomach and you know, itching on your left elbow means that there's something terrible happening, while another person is saying something completely different. And you don't know who to trust. And what's even worse is then when you finally can get an appointment with your doctor to get in, then they speak to you for maybe five or 10 minutes, probably give you a pill and you still don't really feel heard and you still don't really feel like you have a plan of what you need to do. In today's episode, I have the honor and the privilege of interviewing Dr. Theron Hutton. Dr. Hutton has been an MD for several years. He's done a practice in Uganda, Africa as a missionary for five years. He's been in many different types of doctor positions here in the States and now has his own clinic in the South of Nashville, Tennessee area, where he sees patients day in and day out. One of those patients being myself. For years, I struggled with digestive issues. I struggled with hormone issues. I struggled with allergies, so many different things. And for the first time, me and my family found a doctor who didn't just push a prescription on us, but listened to us. And in one doctor, without having to refer us out, helped us solve and heal and move past so many of the ailments that we have experienced in our lives. Now, clearly he can't do that for all of you over a podcast, but I wanted to invite him on because the way that he views nutrition and health comes from one of the most logical and well-researched point of views of any doctor that I have encountered. And I wanted him to also dispel some myths that he sees clients commonly believe about their health that aren't actually healthy. But he's also going to be talking about how you can find a good practitioner to help you move forward in your health. Because when we're working on our pies, becoming the most attractive that we can be, and we're wanting to feel the best that we can physically, we need someone on our team who is rooting for us and is going to help us get there. I have found that in Dr. Hutton, and I'm hoping that he can help all of you ask the questions to find that for wherever you live as well. Here's my interview with Dr. Theron Hutton. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is "It Starts with Attraction," where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be—physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually—or as insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. I am so excited, Doctor Hutton, that you are with us today, and. I I don't know if I've actually ever told you this, but I tell everyone this when I talk about my doctor, that I have the best doctor in the world. <laughs> and
1: that's very nice of you.
0: He, oh my goodness. Just everything that you have been able to work with, with me. And it's, be, it's been fascinating. It's been amazing. Um, and, you know, our whole family, that's, you've been there. So you're my doctor. So I get medical advice from you. But for everyone else, of course, we want to encourage you to go to your doctor and and seek medical advice and and what is going to be the best way for you. But I wanted to invite Dr. Hutton on and talk about some of the common things that he sees, because he has such a wide variety of, of places he's been and people he's worked with and has done so much research into what can or what what really is the things that we need to be focusing on to make sure that we are the healthiest and best that we can be. And so I'm excited to dive into that with you. But Dr. Hutton, the first thing I want to ask is what caused you to get into the field of medicine?
1: Well, that First of all, can we thank you for inviting me and your those kind words. I appreciate that. It's, um, I love what um, y'all do um, and in terms of the marriage building and stuff like that. Um, so thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate that. That's, that's a, a big question. <laughs> but I think j- like kind of broadly speaking, so we live in a really interesting time right now. And this is an example of it. I mean, we're doing it is we have access to information. So I think Mm -hmm. historically physicians provided information to people. So people went to their doctor because they didn't know something or they needed facts or they needed to know, okay, you know, what, what are my options here for this medicine or this treatment or what do I have? What disease do I have? Well, that doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, People already come with an idea of what they have or what they think they have, or even what the treatment options are. I guarantee that their doctor's not the first person they have probably inquired to about this. You know, I mean, you know, if I finally get patients that admit it freely to me, but they're like, yeah, I, I searched the internet to figure out, you know, I, yeah. I put my symptoms in, I hit, you know, went to my search engine, I typed in my symptoms and then I, you know, I read the first nine articles that popped up. Um, so they don't typically come to me with "What do I have?" Um, they they want to. So the lack of information doesn't seem to be the issue at this point. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost the opposite now. It's it's too much information. Mm-hmm. But I think what people n- now they don't know what to trust. They don't know what information to trust. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a few few hurdles now. It's a lot of information. It's not lack of information, it's a lot of information, but then figuring out what information to trust, because quite literally, you know there's a couple things that can happen. One is they can look and find two different opposing viewpoints, you know, saying exactly the opposite thing for what they need to do. Oh, your cholesterol's high, you need to eat more eggs, your cholesterol's high, you need to eat fewer. you know I mean, you can literally find those two articles right under each other on your on your internet you know and then you and then and then everyone gets on Facebook and they say hey tribe you know i have this this and this what do i do and and everyone weighs in based on their experience um and we all know that people are different and have had different experiences and done different things and those different things may have all you know been correlated with an improvement so so you know and they ask Facebook because they trust those people that's their friends you know they ask those people because they don't know who to trust anymore, and I think that that's a problem too. That you know, people don't know. Do I trust what my search engine tells me? Is my search engine have an agenda, and they're hiding certain things from me, or they're revealing certain things from me? If people paid them enough money to put their article up high in the results, is that influencing what I see? I think people yeah. now are suspicious of that. And then, right. um, and then if they go to their doctor. Um, is my doctor able to be honest with me, you know, which, which, you know, seems like a bizarre thing to say, but, um, and so anyway, people come to me, I think, you know, they don't come to me for information usually, although, although they usually want, so they know all the options. They say, okay, here are all, what I found. They bring an article, they, they share an article with me and they say, here are all the options that I have, I have discovered. And then they'll say, yeah is this even believable? Like, is this true? Is this, is this make any sense? And then of all these options, which would you do? I mean, essentially people end up saying, okay, what would you do? Hmm. Um, and so, so I don't know if that uncovers a myth, you know, so there's, I guess there are a ton of myths out there. Um, and we can go into them, but
0: yeah, well, yes, I want to, and let's do that. But before that, why, so when you got out of med school, the first place that you went was somewhere in Africa. Where was it in Africa that Uganda,
1: you, got, Uganda, you went? Uganda.
0: Uganda. Yeah. For five years.
1: Yep. Five years.
0: Yeah. Why did you choose that as the first place for you to start fresh out of med school?
1: Well, um, believe it or not, it was a girl was the reason I ended up going to Africa and it ended up not being my wife. But um, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's okay. She knows the story. She's okay with it. And it's funny now. So, um, in college I was in sciences and, and I knew I wanted to do something in science and, but, you know, and people had suggested medicine here and there, but to be, be honest with you, and it wasn't because we were inclined that way. I just never went to the doctor as a kid. And it wasn't that my, I think my parents just didn't want to pay for it. So, you know, I just didn't go to the doctor much. I barely remember even having checkups and things which Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily advocate but um (laughs) uh so in college i started to consider what my i knew I needed to be in science um i'd considered maybe some sort of like uh forest ranger or something so i was like gravitated toward the biology building started taking science classes and really, I loved most of them, and ended up getting to know this. Math was a little bit harder for me than some of the other ones, so I needed some uh, a friend that was good at math. So, um, so I found um, a friend, and she was really good at math. Her mom was actually a math professor, and so she helped me. And then, you know, as we got to know each other, she was saying, "Well, why? What are you going to do with the science?" You know, she was pre med, and she wanted to um, be a physician. And her dad had actually gone back to school late in life because he actually wanted to, he had been to Africa and saw the need. So that's what he started um, doing late in life. And she was following in his footsteps and she was like, what are you even going to do with all the science? She said, you should consider becoming an a physician and moving overseas. And I just kind of laughed. I was like, that's not going to happen. Um, but as I think God would have it, I ended up, um, staying in science. I said, you know, I'm going to go check out, um, what it's like to be in a hospital. And so I went and volunteered at the local emergency room and enjoyed that. And then that girl actually got married. She moved to Uganda and I went on through school, ended up applying to med school and getting in and stayed in touch with her. And then I went to visit A team that she was on, a group of families that lived in Uganda. One of the the people on her team was a pediatrician. I talked to him. He invited me to come and work with him. So that was after my first year of medical school. Um, And I liked it. It was a good experience. And I remember coming home from that month thinking, wow, that's a neat thing to do. I hope to go back and visit again someday. Well, I went back again the next summer and it was Dr. Hall, he was a pediatrician, he'd been living there for a couple of years. And I kind of thought I had my life figured out at that point. I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to show up here and there, I'll go for a couple of weeks and be a, you know, short-term medical missionary doctor. I can do do work in Africa and still enjoy my, you know, life in the United States.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we were talking, I remember the conversation driving down a, uh, you know, rural village pothole filled road. And I was telling him my, my grand plan. He said, well, that's really nice. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. What if you went to your doctor and he's, you know, and he said, you know what? And, I, and you you know, you leave then you say, I'm going to be, I'll be back to see you in a, in a month. He's no, I'm actually only going to be here for two weeks and then I'm going to move back home. Hmm. And your doctor was in your country for two weeks out of the year. How would you, hey, how would you feel about that? And I was like, Oh gosh, you know, so I got a big dose of conviction there. Mm. Uh, and then moved back and just did some soul searching. I was like, you know what? I, you know, I don't have a lot tying me right now. I'm young. I wasn't married at the time. So I said, well, I'm going to start planning on moving to Africa when I'm done. Um, and then I did. And the Lord provided a wife who was down with that. And she was um, not only okay with it, she had been living in Kenya for a year teaching school. Wow. Um, And so, and that was actually, and it was actually about five years later that we ended up moving. So, um, so it was a plan that was hatched long before it happened. And Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly came about in a way that I wouldn't have predicted. In fact, I was resistant Mm -hmm. to it. Um, but, um, yeah, we ended up moving, uh, after we grad, after I, so I graduated in 2003 from medical school and then did two years of surgery residency, two years of family medicine residency, and then, uh, moved over to Uganda in 2008. Did you have kids college. at that
0: point?
1: We had three, three young kids. They were, um, three, about three, 18 months. And we had a two month old baby boy. And we moved over there and um, had two more while we were there. So,
0: Wow. So when you were in Uganda, you saw people, you were there for five years, you come back here and was there, what were there differences in the things that you would see and in the way that people reacted to medical care in Uganda versus here?
1: Big differences. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I mean, it's not a secret that the, 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 well, and, and I'm careful how I say this because Africa's not a resource poor place. I think we tend to think of, of, uh, developing or third world or, or, you know, whatever the kindest way to, to say that is now, um, yeah. countries as resource poor and they're resource rich countries. They have tons of resources. I mean, natural resources are just abundant. I mean, they have minerals and gold and timber and water and people and soil, rich soil. And, uh, it's not a resource poor country. It's just their resources are allocated differently than we do. Um, and, and there's, it's, it's the people who need, need the resources aren't getting them sometimes. Uh, but they're there. Um, So, you know, so certainly uh, the reality was you'd be a lot of places and it was difficult to get the kind of medical treatment that I was accustomed to or trained to use, you know, medicines and equipment and things like that. So I'd be out in the village and uh, there'd be, you know, someone that was sick and, you know, it wasn't let's go to the pharmacy up the road or the clinic or the E.R., that at that made a major impact on just I think the way I ended up thinking about medicine. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, so I came back here, and of course I had all those things, you know, um, right. including insurance and resources that were heavily allocated towards medicine. But that um, I mean I still have folks here that have fewer resources um, to spend on medicine. There are those people out there, so. Mm -hmm. I think it, uh, it caused me to think carefully about the choices that I was recommending and making as a Mm -hmm. physician, you know, so, so effective treatments, everyone wants safe treatments, everyone wants, um, but cheap treatments. I don't think we consider a lot of the times in the United States and I don't think people need cheap treatments, but I think that certainly, um, can you know, thinking about things from a perspective of, can we solve this in a simple, um, way that, you know, that is not so resource heavy for people. Um, so if we, if we can think about things carefully, so if someone comes into the office, you know, instead of ordering a battery of tests and imaging and CTs and and tests that I don't care how much they cost, um, you know, then is there a way to do this more carefully and thoughtfully?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so that, um, you know, so we come at it with the perspective that we don't have unlimited resources for, for these things. So that's been a huge mm-hmm. uh, shift, I think, in the way I was trained and then how, you know, um, what changed for me as I was overseas. Um,
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Because even one of the first things when when we found you several years ago and our family started going to you, one of the thir- first things you worked with me with was some gut issues that I was having that I have had for over a decade. Hmm. And you were the first doctor who did not order a an upper GI, a colonoscopy. I had already had three of those before I had ever come to see you. Yeah. And every time they came back with nothing to yeah. show. Yeah. And therefore they would say, Well, we like there's nothing wrong. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. That's where it ended. Yeah. And it wasn't until you, where you didn't order one test for me. Yeah. You well, you did. You ordered a breath test, but yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't anything like that. Right. And got to the bottom of my issue. And I have not had those digestive 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 issues the way that i had for 10 years before yeah and you know we're two years from that and so i can definitely see how you do that differently
1: yeah well you know we it was important i had i had to learn how to listen to people Mm. there um i had to um they came you know there there was a different style of communication. It was, it was indirect and, um, a lot, there's a great deal of just, you know, in America, we, you know, a a doctor patient, there is some disparity in terms of sort of authority, but not, not that huge. Like a, like you could have a patient that you'd feel is pretty well equal to you in terms of position and life. Um, a lot of Ugandans, it's it's not appropriate to speak frankly or freely or openly with your doctor. You don't ask them a lot of questions, which is interesting. That was different for me, yeah. not having a patient ask me questions or even answer questions. Or even it's interesting because they would, um, they would it would be confusing to them on some level when you asked a lot of questions, which was interesting too. Um, So that was anyway, so I had to learn how to listen to people Mm -hmm. and hear them, like listen to their words and, and really think about what they're saying, what they're trying to tell me, because uh, you know, people might be embarrassed to tell you something and they, but they may be telling you in a different way. So figuring out what questions to ask people, like, you know, if, if you ask someone, what do you think is going on? Which is an important question to ask. In fact, I've been asked, I've been trained in the states to ask, okay, what do you think is going on? What do you think is fine? And this in and, and that's a decent question to ask, but that could actually cause someone some embarrassment because if they admit to something that's foolish sounding, right. they know you're gonna think, well, you're foolish. What, what do you think is going on? Well, what I think is going on is that you know, I have, I went to the Mexican restaurant and some, you know, they they poisoned my food. Well, you know, that sounds silly. So people aren't going to admit that. So simply a tool I use was say, okay, what have other people told you is going on? Right. Because then I can admit that because then I don't look foolish. So, Hmm. so learning to ask people that, and then listen to what they're telling you because they may be speaking indirectly to you. And the same thing happens in the United States. I'm just better at picking up on subtle things in my own culture. But, um, so, so learning to listen to people, which is the, you know, the difficulty is, um, a lot of doctors just, they, they want, they want to listen. They're trained to listen. They just don't have time. Um, they just don't have time. I mean, they get 10 minutes with you if they're lucky. Right. And you know, eight minutes of that is explaining what they're going to do for you. Um, so it's Mm -hmm. super important to listen to your patients. And we all say that, uh, but you've got to create a situation where that's going to happen and it doesn't happen in 10 minutes. Um, And so hopefully, hopefully I did that for you. I imagine I did. Um, But usually I, it's the first appointments, 30 minutes or at least if that.
0: Um, Yes. Yes. It is amazing the amount of time that you spend with your patients. It is Polar opposite of anything I've ever experienced. But when you do typically, so, you know, back here in the States, you start seeing patients, you see them in your office now, when they're new, and granted, you probably attract some more health conscious patients. That's just me assuming. I don't know yeah, that
1: for sure. I would say so.
0: But, you know, if you were just thinking of the general public, what are the, the top things that you see people come in and they believe this is what I need to do for my health. But in your mindset and eyes and through your lens as a physician, you're like, they're, they're off.
1: They're so off. Yeah. We have a lot of discussions about food and I think Thing. I mean, it's hard for me to see every perspective, but I think we're making some progress there. Uh, when I early on, when I started, you know, as people said, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing better on my diet. I said, well, tell me what that means. Well, let's see. I, I don't hardly ever have salt. Uh, I don't eat fatty foods. Right. Um, um, Trying to remember what, you know, maybe I don't eat eggs. I don't eat, I don't eat meat. You know. Um so I'm that, counting
0: my macros. Counting That's my macros.
1: I- yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm keeping track of my macros. And typically that you know, typically they're surprised when I just say, Hey, we're not we're not afraid of fat. Like we're we're good with with eating some fat. Um, a lot of folks are surprised by that because they're like, Well, I'm 30 pounds overweight, how you know, I, I should clearly not be eating fat, right? And then we have the conversation about, um, you know, sugar consumption and how, you know, carbohydrates and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, actually you end up in many cases putting on extra weight, not because of fat you're eating, but because of the way your body's handling other things anyway. So that's, so that's one myth or, or kind of correction that, that often people are actually very surprised. You know, they'll come in saying, doc, you'd be so proud of me. I, I don't eat bacon anymore. You know? And I'm like, dude, like eat bacon. Like that's not, that's not the problem. <laughs> like like what? I can eat bacon, you know? And so they'll text me a picture of like them, you know, shopping and buying bacon or something. Um, so that's one that's kind of fun to play with is the foods. Uh, I just think people have, and there's really good there's really good books and people out there talking about that, you know, for a while it was like salt was the problem for everybody. And then it was sugar uh, and it was fat was the problem for everybody. And I think more people are aware of the problems that sugar creating with health now. So that's kind of one of my big, big kicks. And I do try to hammer that drum uh, as much as I, much as I can on people. Now the second one is, and I, and we've talked about this before and we, I think we talked about before we even, Started recording, but the, just that people think the sun is gonna kill them, like the sun is just out there to kill them. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um right. And so it, you know, and I and it's I mean, and really it, it's fun to sort of help people frame how to think about these things, just from mm-hmm. sort of a philosophical perspective. You know, you know, are the people who are telling you these things also trying to sell you something, right? So of okay. course the the sun is going to kill your eyes. You have to wear sunglasses. In fact, I have a hundred and ninety-nine dollar pair of sunglasses that I can sell you. And then you need a different transition one for this. And you, you know, and you need prescription ones. And so now I can, you know, I can sell everyone in the world a pair, you know, three pair of sunglasses. Uh and of course you need You know, you need sunscreen and of course you need all of these things and you have to go to the dermatologist because, you know, yeah. So, so in the way I ask people to think about this is, is what have people been doing from the beginning? Has the sun been killing people from the beginning? No, people have been outside most of the day, most of their lives farming and being outdoors, except maybe to sleep from the beginning
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: are alive. St- like we're still here. And, um, and then, you know, so it's just probably, as you can tell, kind of the way I'm bent anyway, is just to, um, you know, ask yourself what's including me, what's this person trying to sell me right now? Um, and, you know, and, the, you know, and that, that does have an impact on their, um, you know, their likelihood to, to be completely able to be completely truthful with you. Um, and then I think just, just apply some wisdom to what's being told to you. You know, if someone says, well, this magic, we have to avoid this food that people have always eaten forever and and eat Mm -hmm. this other magic food now to be healthy, or we have to avoid the sun that people have always been outside in and now apply these magic things to be healthy, then I think we need to pause and consider whether that could potentially not be entirely true. Um, Mm Let's say food and then the sun being outside is probably, probably some, some of the more surprising conversations I have with, with my patients. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Because even the, I've heard you explain what, the sun does for us what we get from it what we you know the vitamin d which you talk about all of the time Mm -hmm. and how it just helps everything else that goes on and i don't understand all the science behind it but here's what i know if i go outside and i spend five hours outside six hours outside in a day i am happier i feel better I'm not my, I feel like my, my hunger is under control. I sleep better that night. All of those things happen when I spend time out in the sun.
1: Yeah. It's all true. Yeah. Everyone says it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we know, we know all the amazing things. It balances hormones. It, it, um, Mm -hmm. improves mood and neurotransmitters. It balances appetite. You definitely sleep better. Uh, you give, it literally gives you more energy. Um, yeah, it's, it's, if, if people went out, if people were outside, like they were, they used to be, it'd probably be out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wouldn't matter what they ate. It wouldn't matter. I mean, almost nothing else they did would make any difference. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan.
0: Right. What else do you tell people if they're, I mean, if they're coming in with kind of these standard American problems, not sleeping well, high stress, not eating well, not going outside, sitting all day at the desk, Yeah, Um, you know, other than get outside more and start eating more whole foods, healthy foods, Mm -hmm. what else do you encourage them to focus on first?
1: Well, I mean, generally speaking, and I think this is actually why this is a very appropriate conversation for your platform is I, you know, what, what always happens and what I always uncover time and time again is, uh, Ill health comes from broken relationships and um, whether those are broken relationships with your so there's four you know yourself nature mm-hmm. your creator God or your you know others so your spouse or family or something like that and I very rarely have someone that comes in with a chronic condition who's like yeah I never had any traumatic thing happen to me as a kid there's always, Hmm. some traumatic thing that happened to them as a child or even as an adult, you know, some, some really big relational issue happened to them. Um, or, you know, trust was violated or something. Um, and, and we can actually then, I mean, you can actually trace the physiology there of what happens to cortisol levels and, and the brain and, um, all this. Stuff. So one of the things I encourage people to do, to do is to try and repair and mend relationships. Um, you know, and that's all for those categories, you know, you know, if you have a low Mm -hmm. self-worth, if you are anxious, if you're stressed, if, um, you know, your, you know, finances are in shambles, your relationship with your spouse is, is, you know, is a mess, uh, your relationship with your kids, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, if you feel vulnerable because you're not sure whether God loves you and is, you know, got your back and is protecting you or has good things intended for you. Uh, if your relation, you know, I mean, good grief, I mean, relationship with nature, you know, if we've been polluting our soil and our water and we think the sun's going to kill us, um, and our food is toxic and poisonous, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's going to affect our health. And so, what I feel like I end up doing is I'm a relationship counselor in terms, you know, you know, you, you know, do marriage, you know, relational marriage repair work. Mm-hmm. And that's so important with health. And so if, you know, if they can start fixing or figuring out where those problems are and start repairing those and they end up seeing their health. Sp- I mean, I have people that come to me and say, I feel so much better now. And well, What happened? Well, I'm getting along with my spouse now. Okay. You know, and, and they're like, well, yeah, now your cortisol levels better. You're sleeping better. We know when we sleep, we detoxify our brain heals. Melatonin is an antioxidant. All these good things happen when relationships get fixed. So, um, you know, and that, I mean, and the interesting is thing is I don't have a whole lot to do with that. You know, that's not me giving them something to take. And I think that's another myth is that the doctor's going to have, the answer to your problem. Uh, I mean, he might have the answer, but he may not have the solution in his hand. Um, and I think that we, we love to perpetuate that idea that I, the solution lies with me because then I can make money off the solution. Um, if I, if the, if the solution is a prescription and I, and then you have to come back every three months, then I get your copay and I can bill you for the visit and you have, you know, I have to write the prescription. And obviously, sometimes that's helpful and needed, and and a you know it's an important part of what we do. Um, but it's a it's an interesting and a humbling place to be to say, you know what, I might sort of have an idea, and I you probably do this too. You, I might have some sort of idea of what you need to do, but you need to do it. Like I right. I cannot do this for you. I can't right. do absolutely for you. I can I can say, look, I've seen this happen before. Here's what science says. Here's what I've seen people be successful with in the past. But you have to do this. And the answer Mm -hmm. to your better health doesn't really lie with me. I can't make, you know, I could, I guess, come over and get you out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. But, you know, you'd be the only one I could do that for and make you exercise and get outside. But
0: (laughs) I'd have to pay you a whole lot more money. (laughs) You'd be my
1: only patient. Right. 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 But there's. Anyway, go ahead. But, I, you know, I think that's, a, I mean, I, I think more and more people are waking up. Now, it's really an odd place for me to be as a professional with a business. You know, in a sense, I spend a lot of my time telling people they don't need me. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they do in a sense that I can help them wade through some of the information out there and help them decide. But I feel like in some ways I'm more of a coach mm-hmm. um, for people than I am sort of the solution to their problems
0: hmm. Yes, but but that also is what builds the trust that me and so many others of the patients that go to Mulberry clinics have is that you are very open and honest with with all of that. But the other aspect of that is even just hearing a doctor say to you, you need to work on that relationship or you need to fix your stress levels. You know, when, because that's another thing you've done with me, you've looked at, you've done hormone tests, you've looked at my hormones, you know, my cortisol was crazy high in my body. And so you said, you have to fix your stress levels. And I said, great. When, what's the (laughs) pill? Like, what do I take to help you do that? (laughs) Yeah. And you said um you can go to the beach, you can right. get a massage. Yeah. And it was like okay, but I came home number one, I didn't feel like I was crazy anymore. Yeah. Because it was like okay, I actually do have high stress. And then number two, it was the doctor told me I have to get this under control. Yeah. So all of a sudden in my life it becomes a priority. Yeah. Because someone of authority and influence tells you that's what you need to do.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean, again, I, I think you do the same thing. I would guess people I'm sure call and say, my marriage is a wreck. I need an expert Mm -hmm. to tell me to fix it. You know, and you, and, and, you know, I think that's, it's important to do that. You, you feel validated, you know, you feel validated that what you're feeling is real. Um, and you all, and you, and someone gives you permission to take care of yourself. And so you need to make that a priority. And I think um, in our culture, and probably in Christian culture, we 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 feel like well, we're supposed to you know deny ourselves and put everyone for you know ahead of us, mm-hmm. and it's selfish and self centered to spend a lot of time taking care of ourselves. And I certainly think we can go too far with that, but it's not mm-hmm. we're it's not it's not um, time wasted to take care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. It's important to do. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus did it you know, it's, every, people do it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And when we, when we invest a little bit in ourselves um, to be healthy in all of those different ways, we end up being able to be more effective in our relationships with other people. And we're so much more helpful to them if we have done a little bit of work
0: on ourselves first. That's so good. And so true. Well, Dr. Hutton, what would you recommend to people for, you know, maybe they're, they're listening to this and they're thinking, my doctor doesn't listen to me, my doctor, you know, or I don't have a doctor. I don't even know where to go. I'm just kind of struggling with the ways that I feel. Um, What are some things that you would recommend people look for to find a doctor that would be more helpful to them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't think if one, I don't think it has to be an MD necessarily. Um, there are a lot of folks out there that are well trained and equipped to guide you. Um, and honestly, a lot of them probably have more time to do that. There's a lot of amazing, just like health coaches, um, out there who can, who can do that for us. Um, so I think, for so what i would look for is humility um so the humility is a tough one but i think it's important so you want someone who who kind of knows what they know and knows what they don't know um everyone's biased and we need to recognize that and i I readily admit that and i just hope that i can sort of see my biases and account for them Um, and i've had folks and i you know i've not always been this way but i've had folks you know they'll see me one visit they'll come back six months later and i'll tell them something completely different than i said the last time and sometimes they remember and say well wait a minute last time you told me this i say i know (laughs) i know (laughs) um and they're like but you know like we usually talk about it And sometimes they're irritated and i say well you know i'm sorry but I'm probably going to think something differently than in the next six months that you come. And, and, you know, and so I'm learning, I'm continuing to do research and gain experience and share that with people. Um, So it's, it's concerning to me when I hear someone tell me or I hear a physician or someone in a position of medical authorities, you know, say, no, this is the answer. Um, It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's rare that we're, you know, it's rare that we're that sure about anything. Um, I mean, we don't even know how like antibiotics work most. I mean, there are things that we use all the time and we have no idea exactly what they do. Um, We just feel comfortable with them because we use them a lot. Um, So humility is important. Now that also needs to be balanced with, I think, a sense of authority too. Like, so you want someone's humble, but you don't want someone who you go and ask them and like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You could do this, this, and this, but it may or may not work. I mean, so people need guidance also. And so Mm -hmm. I, one of the reasons I spend a lot of time is I'm trying to gauge sort of what they're like. So what do they need? And that's the art of medicine. It's like, yeah, I, I, I have some answers and I know what I would do, but is it more helpful in this situation for me to give you options? And we talk about them and you go home and think about it and decide you know that would be fine or do you need me to tell you here's what you need to do um, so I think it's the humility and the understanding of your limitations of what you know and what you believe and your biases balanced with the need for your patient to have an answer or have some sort of a definitive game plan um, as mm-hmm. they forward and not feel like well you're just you, ha- you know, you know, you don't know what you're doing and you're just kind of guessing and, and you're not really sure about anything. And so that's really a difficult sort of line to walk. Um, and I think I've, I have found physicians who do that really well. Um, you feel the humility, but you also know that they are certain of some things and they have an opinion. Uh right. again, opinion might be different in a year. And ho- yeah, hopefully it is. If that's a good sign to me, if you, if you go to someone and say, you know what, I told you this last time I've changed. Awesome. That is amazing. Like, I don't want a guy who is saying the same thing he said 20 years ago, like when my right. mom went to see him, <laughs> he should have learned something. Right. <laughs> so that's one thing. I mean, another thing that's probably more like a pie in the sky dream of mine is just, you know, you want someone who's not who's not beholden to anybody but maybe like you and God, because if, if I'm not answering to you, who am I answering to? And I, I don't Mm -hmm. want someone who's making decisions based on who's going to pay them. Um, Mm -hmm. or if they're going to get in trouble for saying something or not you know if they have an a narrative or an agenda they've got to be pushing that's frightening to me so we've set up things in our practice to minimize that of course it's not gone completely because i mean it's you know on some level every physician is got to try to keep their patient happy i mean should be trying to keep their patient happy you know, when I'm about to tell somebody something they don't like, I do pause and I say, well, you know, this might mean I lose a patient,
0: <laughs> you know? Right. but
1: I hope they come back and they reflect. And I think this is another thing too. Like if your physician is telling you things he knows you don't want to hear, that's probably a good doctor. Like guess probably mm-hmm. a good doctor because he has no real reason to do that, um, He's not make I mean he's not making you happy. He knows you might not come back. He knows you might get on the internet and give him a bad review. But if he says, hmm. look, you have to lose some weight here, or or you know, what you're doing is not good, or here's what you you know, if he says that to you, now don't be a jerk about it, but you know if he says very if he says difficult things to you, thank mm-hmm. him <laughs> you know, like um right. have no reason to do that. I mean, especially the way my practice of it, I don't take insurance. It's just cash. And you can, I mean, people don't have to come to me. They can go down the road and, you know, their insurance Mm -hmm. company's not telling them to come here. And so, um, you know, I try to tell my patients hard things, even if I know they're going to be mad. So so. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I, the only thing I would add to that just as a patient is that uh, even with what's going on right now, depending on when people are listening to this, you know, we're smack in the middle of this COVID-19 and everything happening. And one thing that Rob, my husband and I have said to each other multiple times during these past couple of weeks is we have so much peace knowing that Dr. Hutton would fight for us. Like he knows our kids. He knows us. Like he is our family doctor and if one of us got it or whatever, we know he would do whatever it took to make sure that we got the care that we needed. And that is, you, I think you have to have that kind of trust in your doctor. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. why do you go to them?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it. Uh, well, I, that's very, I appreciate that. That's true. Uh, it, I, that's very kind of you to say though. Um uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, you know, we can talk about it whenever you want, but you know, the way I've set this up is it's been, it's been super hard. Like it's hard to do this kind of medicine. I, you know, um, where I've, you know, had to just, you know, solely base my practice on reputation and taking excellent care of my patients, knowing that they're based, you know, they're, they're a patient of mine because they want to, and that, that they're paying me directly their hard earned money especially when right now it's a little bit harder to come by maybe um, month to month Mm -hmm. to be a patient of mine. And I don't take that lightly. Um, But um, you know, it seemed like the only best way for me to do what I felt convicted that I had to do um, um, so that I could go to bat for my patients directly. And, you know, Defend them, um, you know, be on the phone with pharmacists or test, you know, other companies or agencies, um, you know, defend, yeah, mm-hmm. defending them, going to bat for them and doing, doing the, the best thing for them. And, uh, I, obviously that's, that's a huge thing to have.
0: Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. Well, Dr. Hutton, I could talk to you about 1800 different things because you are a wealth of information in so well, have many an things opinion on
1: just about everything. So I don't know. If you, you
0: <laughs> which is good. It makes for great conversation. Yeah, And probably why most of my appointments with you are 30 minutes to an hour. Cause yeah. we are talking about the things that are going on and it's yeah. getting stuff done. Um, but Thank you so much for just sharing everything you have so far. And is there any way, you know, I don't even think you're taking new patients now, but even if you were so many people listening to this, don't live in the, in the Nashville area, yeah. but is there any way that are, these people can follow you, know more about you, what you're doing or anything, anything yeah. like that?
1: Um, I've been encouraged to sort of have a more, uh, significant presence on social media. I if you came to my house you'd kind of laugh probably. I, I'm not I think I mean I have internet but it's like like a phone line plugged into my house or something. It, I I'm actually I have to call up my office to use internet. Um and I
0: Yes, because talk about <laughs> unpopular opinions and things you tell your <laughs> yeah. clients.
1: Well, a couple yeah. of days
0: ago it was stop using Wi Fi. Yeah. That's what you're
1: that's another weird about Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it maybe we'll get into that down the road. You know, I mean okay. so I we're you know, I, I do think, we you know, we know that electricity has effects on the human body. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, um, so it's, it's, it's a funny place to be. I, I certainly enjoy the benefits of technology case in point. Um, but also realize that it can probably impact our physiology in ways we don't understand and certainly impacts our social life. You know, I find myself now I have a Twitter account and I'm on Facebook and it's funny because before this, so we're in this Corona pandemic now before it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start pulling back from, from these social media things even more. And, and then this happened I was like, you know, actually this is a bad time. Like, (laughs) so I'm now more engaged with Facebook and um, Twitter and all these other things. And so I'm getting, you know, It's just just fascinating to me. This whole thing is fascinating to me that just we're like crowdsourcing medical knowledge. Like I'm in contact with doctors from Uganda and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York and Louisiana. And I'm getting like real time updates from them on what's going on. And the articles that are coming out, it's just amazing to me. So obviously like I see the benefits of of technology. So I'm not, you know, not anti-technology. We just just trying to be careful. But all that to say, I now have a Twitter account. Um, and you're going to ask me what it is. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's, I think it's, I think it's the Hutton or something like that, the Hutton. Um, and then I'm on Facebook and then I've got a clinic, Mulberry clinics. So we've got a website, mulberryclinics.com. And I have a blog that I've been working on more. It's dochuttonmd.com. Um, so it's D O C Hutton, um, and I just wrote a long article about coronavirus and how we can get back to work and still be safe. I think, um, and I hesitate to say this, but I'm beginning to work on a book. Um, so don't go look for it yet. That's like literally just hatched. I just talked to my my co author two days ago. So we'll uh, that's great. keep you updated when that's coming out. But yeah, I think it's oh, going to yeah. be a super important book that um, is addressing something that's not, not been talked about um, just about health and faith and things like that. So we'll see what happens there. But but I've felt the need to do this for a while. So
0: I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. And I hope to have you back because there's so many things I think you could give amazing just amazing insight to our audience about but thank you for your time today you have eight kids and a wife and so much going on but i just so appreciate you even taking the time to do this
1: you're welcome kimberly i really appreciate what y'all do there um it's amazing it's it's uh, super valuable just in terms of health and families and our country and everything so thank you and thank you for the kind words and for having me on
0: So here are the key takeaways for you to take from this episode on how this matters and how you can work on your pies with the information that you have learned today. Number one is find a practitioner that you trust. As you heard in our interview, one of the major things that Dr. Hutton did for me was he listened to me and he gave me the permission to focus on myself. I knew that my stress levels were through the roof, but it wasn't until he actually made me do this test, he showed me on a piece of paper what that looked like and told me I had to fix it, that I finally took it seriously and started making major changes in my life in order to decrease my stress levels, which then had a positive impact on all of the rest of my hormones from there. Find someone who's on your team. You need not just friends, not just strong family members and friendships, but you will need healthcare providers, coaches, other people who are on your team that have insight and expertise in areas that you don't because you didn't go to med school. You didn't go to whatever advanced schooling they had and you don't need to. All you need is that relationship. So find a practitioner that you trust. The second key takeaway is don't be scared of your food. Whether you eat salt or eating too much fat, there's so many different types of diets and thoughts out there about it. And Dr. Hutton, we didn't go into it as much in this episode, but I can't tell you how many times I've been in his office Ailing about how I was upset about how I felt, or I felt like I was gaining weight, or I just didn't feel good in my body because of what I was eating. And I was trying to track macros and count calories and do all of these things. And he has looked me in the eye multiple times and said, All you need to do is be sure you're eating green, local, healthy vegetables that are in season at the time, some healthy meats, and Eat some fats and you're good. Don't worry about the macros. Don't worry about the rest of it. Eat some bacon. And don't go overboard, but don't be scared of your food either. And that leads to the third point, which is the sun is not out to kill you. Guys, it's been a game changer for me to start spending more time out in the sun on a day to day basis. I'm not kidding. I sleep better. I think better. It controls my hunger. My mood is a hundred percent better when I spend some time out in the sun and not just in my house all the time. You're also less likely to get sick. There's so many great things that happen. The sun has been given to us for a reason. And there's a reason that the majority of the earth has spent so much time out in the sun. I hope that these things you begin to practice and implement. And more than anything, I hope that you find encouragement. I hope that you find hope. And I hope that you are energized and motivated to maybe start thinking about things a little different, maybe question some things. What are the possible agendas or biases that different people or articles you read or search results that you find on Google, what are the, what are the thoughts behind those things? Take more control and ownership of your health, but not so much that you decide you are the expert and at the cost of whatever an actual professional might say, try and find balance in these areas. And I believe it's going to help you tremendously on your journey with your pies. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to it startswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.